Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. I am Ryan Drury. I'll be joined at points throughout the show by Steve Saverin and Chris Clark. Very pleased to be joined on the show this week by Doug Flowers. He is the steering committee chair for the upcoming 2022 men's curling tankard that will be held in Port Algon. Excited to talk to Doug about that. We will then be joined by former NHLer, Stanley Cup champion and longtime hockey analyst and booze connoisseur, Nick Kiprios, real Kipper. He will join us on the show. And as always, at the end, we will have a chat with our wagering expert, Chris Abbott from CoolBet. You are listening to and watching MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports. Ryan Drury alongside Steve Sabrin. We're very pleased to be joined by a special guest after receiving some great news for the area this week. Pleased to be joined by Doug Flowers. He is the steering committee chair for the 2022 men's tankard that will be held in Port Elgin February 9th to 13th next year. Doug, welcome to the show. Thanks for doing this. Well, thanks for having me, Ryan. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. Port Elgin, it's going to be at the Plex. It's a great curling town. People love their curling there. I know you are amongst that crowd. And this is very exciting news. I guess, first of all, tell us how this all fell into place. Um, I guess we've, uh, around our club, the Port Elgin Club, we've kind of joked about this for the last couple of years, saying um, we should go after the tanker, guys. And then um, I guess about probably five months or so ago, we contacted Curl Ontario and said we're interested. And um, they came up and said, said they're going to do a site visit, which they did um, about four months ago. And uh, they were impressed with what they saw. Um, and they basically said after that, you guys have got it. So it was, we were pretty excited when we heard that news. Uh, Doug, usually when there's a big provincial um, event somewhere, there's, I guess, specifications that uh, the tournament wants to meet. Uh, whether it be facilities, uh, hotel capability, volunteer base is a big thing. Um, what were some of the things that Port Elgin was able to offer to kind of solidify uh, this event? I think one of the important things is it's an appropriate sized community for this event um, in that it's not too big and it's not too small. Um, if you have a, an arena in a, uh, in a community that's too large, um, when the television scans the audience and there's all kinds of uh, vacancies in the audience and it doesn't look good on TV. Um, at the same time, you want it big enough to accommodate the expected crowds. So uh, the Plex is a perfect size uh, for this event. We can accommodate uh, around 1,500. I guess we'd squeeze in maybe 1,800 people, um, which uh, is a good turnout for this event in any one draw. Now, Doug, uh, the winners of this tournament are going to go on and and represent teams at the Briar. So this is a giant event in in the curling world. Mm -hmm. Just talk about how excited you are and and you know the passion that Port Elgin, yourself, and really the whole community has had for curling for a long time. Um, it seems that curlers are by nature passionate about their game. Um, and one of the, the the you talked about the attributes of the community, Steve. Um, we have all those things that you mentioned. Um, what we also have is the Port Elgin community is a community um, knowledgeable about curling. And if you take a look at the whole surrounding area, um, there's about 40 clubs within an hour and a half's drive of Port Elgin. And you're going to find an awful lot of 
curlers there. You're going to find an awful lot of retired curlers there and an awful lot of people knowledgeable about the game. Um, and this is uh, testified by the fact that a number of years ago, Owen Sound had this event. And for a number of years, they held the record for attendance at a tanker. So this is a, uh, I guess the interest of the local community is probably one of the biggest attributes that we see we have. Uh, Doug, it's been um, a year that has really decimated sporting events uh, with COVID. Mm -hmm. um, looking ahead towards next year, and, and I'm in contact with a lot of people from different sports who are chomping on, uh, at the bit to get back to the field or the arena for next season. Uh, do you think this is something that could build into the anticipation um, and maybe help out uh, with crowds at the event? I, I certainly hope so, Steve. Um, right now, Port Elgin and Southampton, for that matter, are one of few clubs that are actually open in Ontario right now. Um, there's only maybe 10% of curling clubs open right across the whole country at this point in time. Um, I'm hoping that there's, as, as such, there's a buildup of anticipation for an event such as ours. There's a buildup of uh, interest in, in volunteering and attending an event such as ours, just because we haven't been able to do that for for over a year at this point in time. Doug, I'm glad you brought up that Port Elgin and Southampton are one of the few curling clubs that are open and operating and able to host players right now. Saturday, this coming Saturday, February 27th, it's curling day in Canada. I'm sure that there are going to be some things that are planned. Obviously, we can't have lots of people coming out and gathering, unfortunately, but uh, what sort of things are going to be celebrated at the Plex for curling day? Well, the, um, for Curling Day, um, at, at, our, at the Port Island Curling Club, we have uh, a Learn to Curl program in the morning. We have an open curl from 12.30 to 2.30. We have a mixed doubles uh, uh, draw uh, from 2.30 to 4.30. And in the evening, we have a group of, I'm going to call them millennials, who uh, have rent, rent the club every second week. And they're coming in and uh, coming in on Saturday night, too, to have to play and, uh, and do their thing. Uh, we also are having our, our official formal launch of the tankard um, on Curling and Canada Day. And uh, our Mayor Luke Charbonneau is going to be here at uh, 1.30. And we're going to have a little ceremony um, celebrating the fact that we have the tankard in town. Of course, COVID friendly. Um, and with the official launch, Doug, what are some of the things that have to be done, I guess, in the early going um to get organized uh if people are interested in volunteering are you up to i guess as a committee accepting those types of things uh what's kind of the shopping list you have right now um i have to say that because of covid we're a little bit behind the eight ball in terms of of getting ourselves organized probably two or three months behind where other committees would have been in previous years um, and in previous years, um, we would have attended the prior event, which was to have been in St. Thomas this year in, Feb in, uh, in February. And of course, that didn't happen. So we didn't have a chance to attend and, and talk to their people. Um, we're we're uh, running to catch up right now. And I'm, I'm proud to say we've got some wonderful volunteers in key positions right now, in chair positions. And um, they're working really hard to get things organized. Priorities? Uh, definitely getting volunteers involved. We're um, working right now on getting a volunteer form together. Um, that we're actually revising our website and the volunteer form will go on the website so people can 
go there and um, and get involved with us. Um, sponsors, we're also putting together a sponsor program right now, and we'll be going out and talking to sponsors within the next uh, month or so. So those are a couple of our, our key priorities at this moment. Doug, it's going to be a fantastic event. Uh, again, congrats to you and the committee for for getting a hold of this. It's going to be really popular. I think the community is really going to rally behind this and hopefully break that Owen Sound attendance record. <laughs> In the meantime, though, because Port Algon, of course, like we've mentioned a couple times, is operational and is allowing people to come play. How can people book times, get involved with the curling club, that sort of thing? Um. If they contact, um, if they go to a website right now and contact us through our website, if they're interested in coming out and, and throwing some rocks or uh, bringing um, a, a group out to, to play, um, we're happy to accommodate them. Um, we, it's not quite the same as it normally would be in that we do have uh, fairly stringent protocols for playing within the club right now. Um, but having said that, um, we ed educate people who are, are new and uh, we're happy to have them uh, come by. There's various opportunities for the week for people to uh, get involved and have a game. That's spectacular. I know a lot of people will be looking forward to that. And we will, of course, for a year, be looking forward to the tankard. It will be February 9th to the 13th. The 2022 men's tankard will be in Port Elgin at the Port Elgin Curling Club at the Plex. It's going to be very exciting. Doug Flowers, he's the steering committee chair for the 2022 tankard in Port Elgin. We really appreciate you doing this, Doug. Steve? Yeah, and Doug, just uh, one more follow-up. And we talk about you know, the, the passion of curling in Port Algon, where does the super spiel fit in then for Port Algon? Cause that's a huge event for you as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of our objectives, um, in having the tanker here is to focus on curling in general, not just in Port Algon, but, um, throughout all the communities around and just hope, hope we can build the interest in curling and build membership and curling clubs in the whole area. Um, this won't impact the super spiel um, in any major way, except I think maybe hopefully um, focus more interest on it. Um, the super spiel is amongst the curling elite in terms of capability. The super spiel is a, is a very highly respected spiel and will continue as such. Absolutely. It's a well-loved event as well. And uh, we wish you guys luck, like I said, Doug, in organizing all this. The Tankard, it's going to be very exciting. We really appreciate you lending us some of your time. We we know you're off to curl right now, so we really appreciate you doing this. Thanks so much, Doug. Okay. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Steve. All right. We really appreciate our friend Doug Flowers joining us. We'll take a quick break here on the show. When we come back, we will be joined by former NHLer, former Stanley Cup champion, and longtime hockey analyst Nick Kiprios to talk about the Leafs, the North Division, the Canadiens have a new head coach, all sorts of things to dig into with Kipper next here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury alongside Steve Sabrin, still our buddy Clarky jumping on here. And we're very excited to have another great special guest on the line, former NHLer, Stanley Cup champion, and longtime hockey analyst and booze connoisseur, Nick <laughs> Kiprios on the line. Kipper, how are you, buddy? I'm good, Ryan. How are you? 
Doing very well, thanks. Uh, obviously, things going very well with Real Kipper at noon over on Line Movement. I know your buddy Doug McLean on there with you all the time. It's a great show. It's great to see you guys still interacting and chatting hockey. Uh, big news this week, obviously. Montreal Canadiens making a coaching change. Claude Julien out for a second time in his career as Montreal head coach. Kipper, just in your mind, what was it that brought this on? Two losses to Ottawa. Sure, that's a nail in the coffin. But did you see signs of this coming before this happened? There was always the thought, I think, and the pressure on on Julian uh, in terms of the offseason moves to take this team to another level. And they they got it in the first uh, two and a half, three weeks. And then as it started to go a little south, I think that uh, there were some signs. Uh, I know Claude Julian uh, told a few people even prior to getting the official word the other day um, that he thought his job was in jeopardy. And I think that kind of, there's not, there's not many ways to keep a secret in Montreal with the Montreal Canadians. And I think that started to get word and it, it started to snowball. I do know that uh, Claude Julian had issues, I think uh, with certain young players that probably didn't develop as well as I think uh, uh, Bergevin and, and maybe uh, ownership wanted to see, i.e. Uh, Jonathan Duran and uh, and Max Domi. Uh, I know Max had publicly said that communication was a big issue when he got traded to Columbus. And then it came to fruition again um, when Bergevin uh, spoke in his, in his press conference about how the words were lost, I think, in the dress room. And, you know, it's one thing if if you hear it from a Max Domi and, and, a, and a Jonathan Duran, but there was a sense, guys, that he he also was losing uh, his core veterans in the room. And I think once once that got word to Mark Bergevin, uh, then he had, he needed to act quickly. Do you think, Kipper, that Montreal is underperforming? Where would you see them slotted in right now in the North yeah. Division? That, that's a good question because um, we had talked to th- about this on on my show with Doug McLean, and I'm I'm sitting there going, "This is a team that missed the playoffs last year. They got a gift because of the pandemic yep. to get invited to a party that they didn't deserve to be there." And sure enough, that they were able to come in and and play exceptionally well, and then take that momentum out of beating Pittsburgh, and then adding key guys in, in Josh Anderson, uh, Edmondson to Foley, and then get off to a great start. And, and it just seemed like once they started to settle in and I'm not saying that they were destined to go to a Stanley cup final this year, but certainly they needed to be better than the team that missed the playoffs last year. And it just started to kind of snowball in the last 10 days two weeks that they were starting to look like the team that missed the playoffs. And, and, and we know the pressure that they have on that organization now to, to do much more than that. And, um, you know, he, he couldn't hold on to his job. I was actually surprised that Kirk Muller went down with him because I, I don't see them joined at the hip. Mm-hmm. I don't see uh, Claude Julian's style in, in what probably Kirk Muller, um, his, his overall philosophies, uh, especially when we watched him in, in Carolina have good success. And then 
he even had great success when Claude Julian was lost uh, in that qualifying round in in the bubble in the hub, and he he looked like uh, you know he he coached himself into a a pretty good situation, albeit temporarily. I, I just I just didn't see that coming. We saw Claude Julian losing his job, but I, I didn't see Kirk Muller. So where does this take Montreal now? They they've named an interim head coach, but. Do you feel they need to go out and get somebody no, or is it- no, 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 no. That's just interim for Ducharme is, is, uh, is a way to help him kind of alleviate some of the pressure. This is his job. This is, this is, um, this is their guy. They've been grooming him for, for a few years now. That's there. There's no one else out there. Well, and Kipper, it's interesting you say that too, right? Because Dominique Ducharme is a guy that obviously fits the prerequisite of being French-Canadian, which is a major thing in that market, of course. But he also had a lot of success at the junior level and ran very successful power plays, albeit at the junior level. But that is something that has plagued the Montreal Canadiens for the last three or four seasons. And this year in particular, they are awful on the power play. When he came back, I think they were 25th overall, and then it got worse. It never got better. And that just that just can't happen. Like you can't keep your job if your specialty teams don't improve. And that that was the case in, in Montreal. Ducharme uh, comes in, and again, I don't know if you just simply label Claude Julian as a defensive kind of coach and likes to roll four lines and have his fourth line out there late in the game, even being down a goal. But that that's not Ducharme. He'll, he'll come in here. He'll, he'll, he'll have more of an attack, uh, more of a, a speed game, more support around the puck, more giving goes. And uh, you hope that with Toffoli out there and a rocket from Shea Weber, and, you know, Shea has his challenges for sure with tempo and speed, but he still has a bomb from the point. Uh, I, I I hope that that would improve dramatically in the next few weeks. Okay, we've yeah, talked hopefully. we've talked enough, Ryan, about Montreal. Can we move on <laughs> to, to what people care about, the Toronto Maple Leafs? Can I move on now? Can I ask? Sure. Clark, okay, so let's talk sure. about the Leafs. Let's talk about William Nylander. Let's talk about, will the real William Nylander please stand up? What do we get with this guy, Kipper? Is this guy the guy we saw in the last yeah. three minutes of the game last night, or is he the guy yes, who's played the he last? Is. Yeah, well, he he's got to show um, him, right? The, the real William Nylander is, has been standing up for a little while, so... um I don't know what more you want out of him. That's he's he's going to be uh, an incredible talent on the ice that can look great at any given time, but he'll go through long stretches where he'll break your heart. So uh, that's that's the way it is. He's not a core guy. He's not a front guy. He's not a leader. He's just a, a compliment. He's a very talented complementary player to your your stars and that's okay there's a spot for him somewhere right on any team mm-hmm. especially one that can win a Stanley Cup hey Leaf fans you had a guy just like that Phil Kessel and Phil found a way to win some Stanley Cups in, in the right environment and some days you're going to sit there and say Phil, Phil Kessel's a, a world class player and then other nights you're going to go he's a dog 
And that's going to be the case with Bill, William Nylander. Uh, what have been some of the surprises for you with the Leafs this year and uh, some of the things that you feel they still need to improve on? Well, Justin uh, Hull coming in and, and solidifying himself as a top four defenseman is uh, great news for the Leafs because we know the challenges that they've had throughout, you know, uh, the, the last few decades is not finding um, defense unless you pay an, a, a dear price for him. And, you know, this is a guy that they've developed, they've picked on their own. And, you know, Kyle Dubas has done a good job bringing him along. And, you know, it's not to say that it's the be all end all and the Leafs have uh, solidified the blue line, but it, it gets them a step closer. No question about that. Uh, he, he's been a, a great surprise. And, you know, I think overall that, you, you know, we can talk about Joe Thornton and, and Simmons when he was healthy and what they were able to do and the influence that they've had probably on, on Marner and, and Matthews and, and others. Uh, but overall, I think, you know, I, I got to give Sheldon Keefe a little bit of credit here because they're a team that doesn't seem to be taking as many chances as they had before. Uh, they're playing the percentages in terms of knowing when to hold on to the puck. And, you know, don't, you know, everybody talks about a, a great rush team and a puck possession team. Don't kid yourself, man. They're, they're, they've turned themselves into a dump and chase team too uh, when it's warranted. And I think that they've been able to kind of clean up uh, giveaways, turnovers, uh, has helped them out a lot. Ultimately, few more issues, uh, adding more depth, I think, on the blue line, and ultimately still finding out if this team's got enough jam to go up against a team that can play heavy, play big, and and that's the ultimate challenge. I mean, look at uh, Josh Anderson, you know, gets into a little bit of a a one-on-one with Jake Muzzin, you know. I mean, that's what the, the Leafs can expect, you know, in two months in the playoffs is few players like that going after some of your guys you gotta you gotta hold up you gotta push back you gotta stick together as a group so guys like muzzin don't end up hurt you know speaking of hurt we obviously wayne simmons is hurt right now you never uh were shy kipper dropping the gloves yourself when when wayne comes back with a hand injury my concern would be this guy might not want to get into fights or do you think he'll be 100 percent when he gets back in the lineup well, Wayne Wayne Simmons doesn't need to be fighting once a week. It's just it's too much for him. And again, um, look at the guy's track record for staying healthy. It hasn't been very good. So you don't necessarily want to put yourself in the position of of going out there and and risking, like you said, you know, hurting your hand again or hurting something else again. But he's smart enough. He'll pick his spots when when it's needed or or who the opponent is. And I'm not discrediting him by saying he's going to pick his spots. I mean, ultimately we all have it a certain extent, but he's also valuable on the power play in front of the net. And that's where you hope that will be his greatest contribution, but staying healthy is an issue for him too. And, uh, Leafs need more guys, more resilience, more pushback. Uh, so if they end up in a conference final against a, a heavier team, where there is, you know, a, a Tom Wilson, you know, or or uh, 
a Tampa Bay team where they come in waves at you, then you're ready for the challenge. Kipper, speaking of adding guys with more resilience, more of that blue chip mentality, if you will. Uh, I was watching the other day, Real Kipper at noon, of course. If you guys aren't watching the show, I don't know what you're doing online. Movement. <laughs> and look at the set. Look at the set he's got. The on. set is That's spectacular. Awesome. I got I got a cooler in the back with a little boot. Uh, I got to send you guys a case. <laughs> I've indulged in a couple of them already, but we we would appreciate that. Uh, we'll dig into little Buddha as well before we're done this interview. Yeah, uh, Kipper, I want to ask you though. Yeah. Um, you guys were having a heated debate, you and of of course Doug McLean about Sam Bennett the other day. Yeah, and he, he's an interesting guy, right? I mean, a guy that was a fourth overall pick had all the makings of being a, a two force that just hasn't really worked out but he's still a very useful player has made it known he wants out of calgary and you guys were talking about potentially the leafs looking at a guy like that to add of course he wouldn't have to quarantine um the trade deadline is going to be weird this year um in your opinion is that a guy that the leafs could potentially add would you be behind something like that who uh, uh the other night i'm watching uh sam bennett and the uh he accidentally on purpose buried a leaf. I think it was a, a VC maybe. Yep. Do you remember that? Yeah. I, I think VC was done for the night. I don't think he came back. Did he? VC's been done for a while in my mind, but that's well, thing well, altogether. Listen, here's my point is that <laughs> Sam Bennett's the type of guy that can go out there and, and, and not only back somebody off, but on occasion hurt somebody. And you know, while Wayne Simmons can stand up and fight somebody and, and and play that role, you know, I'm not even sure that he can go out there and hurt somebody, you know, like that. Mm. And I'm just wondering how many guys on the Leafs do you watch that can go, yeah, he can hurt you. He can physically hurt you. Maybe Muzzin on an open ice hit, maybe, mm. um, but not many guys. Like Sam can play and... You know, he may not be a, a great score, but he can go out there and he can make you think twice about getting hurt. And those guys are valuable and they're not for free. And I'm just... What would you have to give up? Well, I, I said, you know, it's so funny because everybody thinks I'm like, you know, drinking too much of my little Buddha <laughs> when, when I say Nick Robertson. And I'm not saying I would necessarily give up Nick Robertson for him. But I am saying that if you're tree living and you run the risk of playing the Leafs in the playoffs and Sam Bennett's going to come and bury a player, you know, like he buried VC the other night, I ain't giving him away for free. And I, mm-hmm. I want something pretty good. And that's the type of player I think if, if the Leafs need a guy like that that can, can make opponents think twice when they're on the ice... And I look at the Leaf lineup, and I I don't see that guy. I don't mm-hmm. see anybody that scares me on the Leafs. You can scare me with your speed. You can Matthews can scare me with his shot. But when when opportunities like that kind of dry up in long periods of time, like they did the other night before Nylander scored two quick goals, mm-hmm. you gotta have guys out there that make you think twice. That can hurry up a pass. And make you think, oh, listen, if I'm not on my toes right now, this guy could bury my nose in the back of my head. I just don't see that out of the Leafs. And I think and they need they need a guy like that. Kadri was the closest thing to it. Yeah. 
Kadri, unfortunately, put himself in a couple of predicaments in the playoffs that scared the Leafs off. But, you know, if they would have been able to manage him a little better, that was that's that's the guy that you you need now. Can you imagine the Leafs right now with Kadri back in the lineup? Come on. Yeah. It'd be Absolutely. a different it would be a different look right now. You take yes. them a lot more seriously to to go to a conference final. And, and the funny thing is, like Calgary in a normal year wouldn't care if they might face Toronto in the playoffs, right? That deal might be done easier, maybe, but now you're right. Like if you're looking at maybe Sam Bennett playing for the Leafs, you'd never want to get burned by one of your old players coming back to haunt you, do but you? If if you believe that Nick Robertson is going to be a 40 or 50 goal scorer in the NHL. And, and, you know, Lee fans, that's not happening for a couple of years. I mean, Mm -hmm. he needs about 10, 15 pounds. He's got to get heavier. They put him in a game earlier on this season. Um, Batherson crunched him and he was out. And it's like, come on, put, don't put the guy in a, in a position where, you know, he's coming out of junior hockey still and, and then he gets buried on his like second or third shift. I mean, that they should never have put him in. He's not ready. He's physically not ready. He's still a, a kid, you know, going up against men 220, 230. So, mm-hmm. you know, Nick Robertson could be a great player for the Leafs, but he's he may not be a great player, you know, when, when they're trying to win a Stanley Cup this year or next year. And they're certainly in crunch time, too. When you look at this core and the amount of money that they've already spent, their goaltender is in a contract year. They, this is crunch time for the Leafs. Like, in the next couple of years here, we've talked about this a lot, Clarky. Like, they got to ideally get something special done here. Uh, we're chatting with longtime NHLer, Stanley Cup champion and longtime analyst on Real Kipper at noon on Live Movement, Nick Kiprios. Uh, Steve, go ahead. Yeah, uh, looking at the North Division itself, have there been any surprises for you or are things playing out as kind of what was predicted in the preseason? Yeah. Uh, uh, no, I expected uh, more teams to be competitive and have more consistency in their competitiveness. I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed. First of all, that uh, the, the, the lulls that have, we've gotten out of Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver um, have not, you know, have, they haven't fared well. Um, and at times it's hasn't been compelling hockey to watch. And I expected those teams to be better. I expected Vancouver to at least be really competitive, although be it, they lost 20, 25% of their, their roster. I didn't expect it to take that much of a hit off of them, but maybe that just speaks well to how frigging good Markstrom was for them last year and how many games he kept them in. And, you know, Edmonton didn't get their goaltending. Calgary got it out of Markstrom and then it kind of dipped in the last little while. But, you know, say what you say, want to say about uh, Anderson and, you know, what a crappy goalie he is during the playoffs. He still has given the Leafs incredible goaltending during a regular season to get you in a, in a certain spot. And now that he's out, uh, it's a different feel with the Toronto Maple Leafs, isn't it? With Hutchinson in, come on. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Montreal hasn't gotten Carey price out of second gear. Mm-hmm. He's got a save percentage and a goals against average that suggests that his salary should be about, you know, a million and a half, 2 million, <laughs> not 10. 
And mm-hmm. and then even Matt Murray, uh, six and a half million dollars a year. You you have not getting gotten any consistency out of Matt Murray. And if he can just hold his own, I think you know Ottawa jumps to another level with with some of their young kids. But overall, I I was expecting collectively this division to be uh, a lot better on a lot more nights. Yeah, Kipper, and and what's odd about that is we're getting great individual performances. I mean, what McDavid is doing is ridiculous. What Matthews is doing scoring-wise in terms of goals is ridiculous. Um, Let's talk a bit about that kid from Arizona. I mean, this guy is on a scoring tear. I mean, the streak ended the other night against Calgary. He still had two assists. Um, He is on a hot streak here, and he's just (laughs) got one of those unique releases. You know, over the last few years, we've talked a lot about Ovi and Stamkos, and man, this guy's just got one of those special, special shots. You played for a long time, and you played with some awful good players. I think of guys like Alex Kovalev, of course, who was a bit of a mercurial guy, but boy, he could shoot. Yeah. Who would you compare Matthews to, if anybody? Can you compare him to somebody that you played against? Yeah, Alex Kovalev is, I think, a, a, a terrific example. And, you know, you mentioned Stam Coase. You mentioned Ovechkin. They'll just flat out overpower you. You know it's coming, and you still can't stop it. But with Alex and, and Austin Matthews, we're talking about some of the quickest hands you've ever seen. And the ability to change your angle, and and mask and hide your your release, whereas you know his second goal last Saturday in Montreal, uh, you know, I mean, there's part of me that want to say, Carey, you know, you, you saw it, and he's 35 feet out, and you still didn't stop it, and yet I want to go, well, it's Austin Matthews. And it's that shot, and it's that release. Uh, but you know, I don't usually kind of like to buy into a lot of you know feel-good stories. Like you know, two years ago, could Ovechkin break Gretzky's record? Or even a week ago, you know, at fifty-fifty. But it does warrant, I think, uh, a legitimate conversation because Austin is good enough and he's shots quick enough that you would think over a 60 minute period, he's going to get four or five fantastic looks with that shot. When you base a power play opportunity, um, five on five, whatever the case is, this guy will get his looks and all he needs is one out of five. Right. I, I mean, that's, batting 200 in major league baseball it can't be that hard for him to get two two or three good opportunities and bury one of them so i i think it's i think it's a legit conversation right now where the game is where it's headed where how they play the game and you know it's it's not many opponents are, are, are challenging him or getting into his face or throwing him off his rhythm. Like there's, there's just, there's just solid opportunities for him to go out there and score. And it just doesn't appear like there's a defense mechanism or, or a guy that's in his face to kind of rattle him. Like 
you know, it's not like Sam Bennett's targeting him or, or going after him to throw him off his game. There just doesn't seem to be any of that moving forward. So why would you suggest that he wouldn't have those looks to, to perhaps be a goal of game guy? Kipper, um, I wanted to ask you about uh, we taught we touched about your set there a little while ago, but I want to ask you about the podcasting world and how you're enjoying that. I miss you first of all uh, on Sportsnet for sure, <laughs> but how are you enjoying your uh, your life as yeah, a podcaster and 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 tell the audience where they can see you? Yeah, well, uh, about a year ago, I I I got together with a company called i three uh, and. They are an online gaming company out of Canada, out of Halifax. Uh, they trade on the uh, on the Canadian Stock Exchange. Uh, got in around uh, the the stock came in around twenty five cents. I think it traded around ninety cents. So take a look at it uh, because where this online gaming industry is going in Canada, thinking about uh, single bets in each province, and Gary Bettman signing deals with companies. Uh, we, we know where the, the trends are going. So uh, they created a content site called linemovement.com and uh, Real Kipper at Noon was born with it, uh, through it, uh, with Doug McLean. Go on and talk a little bit, uh, much like we did on Hockey Central at Noon. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun, you know, in terms of better pace for me, uh, studio uh, in my house. It's mm. easy. It's fun. It's it's uh it's like sitting at the bar and having a little Buddha just hanging out. So uh we'll we'll see where it goes from here on end, but right now it's a good fit for me and I'm enjoying it, guys. And it's going really well. Like I've mentioned a couple times, I love watching the show and <laughs> Doug is always at his grumpy best with you. It's always fun watching oh, you guys debate. Like, <laughs> misery loves company, man. He's, <laughs> he's at his best when he's a little crusty. So, and he's discovered golf. He's in Florida. He goes and golfs in the morning. They say, listen, are you? Just make sure you're watching the games. Try not to fall asleep before uh, the third <laughs> period. But he he's a blast. And at the end of the day, he's got 25 years of experience as a coach, a mm -hmm. head coach, general manager, president of hockey ops. I mean, he's done it all. He's seen it all. To tap into that guy uh, in today's world um, is has been a lot of fun for me. You know, it's funny. I used to, I produced primetime sports there with McCowan um, back. Well, well, I guess it was probably before the fan even became the fan. And on primetime, before the Leafs and Wings played in the playoffs one year, might have been 93, I don't know. We used to have Bill Waters and Doug McLean on as they were both the assistant GMs at the time. Yeah. And it was magic back then. And Doug's yeah. just, yeah, he's just carried it on. It's been awesome. Hey, what do you think of the Blue Jays? What do you think of Vladdy? Do you think he, this 42 pound down is going to help him? Ah, uh, he's just got to stay away from his grandma's cooking. I think that's the key <laughs> in all of this. Um, mm -hmm. But I hope so. I, I really do because I, I think it'll it'll help him. I think it's uh, you know, and you can't think about it about uh, just doing it for to become a bit better baseball player. I hope he does it because it's better lifestyle for him, right? Uh, being leaner, being, uh, you know, more agile, not, you know, he just feels better. So 
if that's the case, then I, I think he's got a chance to to keep the weight off. If he thinks he's doing it just because it's his job to do it, uh, I, I think I don't like his chances of, of of keeping the weight off. Yeah, for sure. And and you know, I, I'm sure the Jays are also and their fans very hopeful that he can keep this off as well because they need that guy. They really need him. I don't want to see Vlad Jr. Pablo Sandoval his way out of the league yeah. by hammering baconators every night. I, I just it would be such a shame and a and a real waste of talent. Um Kipper, I want to talk to you. We've mentioned it a couple times already. Uh, you are now a booze connoisseur. Yeah. You've got this new cocktail company. You've been out for a little over a year now, Little Buddha Cocktails. Uh, it's fantastic, man. I got to tell you, I've had it a number of times. I love it on vanilla ice cream. Tell us a little bit about <laughs> okay, what Okay, hold on. Time out, time out, time out, time out. Yes. Okay. Did it accidentally spill on your vanilla ice cream or no. did you actually think it was a good idea? pineapple because it is a grilled pineapple and rosemary taste yes on ice cream who the hell would ever envision that you know what it, do you know what it is it's because my girlfriend's dad loves taking pineapple slices the big round cord yeah. pineapple slices and putting it on ice cream and i was like oh that's kind of interesting and then when i got the drink and tried it i thought this would this might tastes good on ice cream and i gave it a try and it's fantastic so just a God, little hot you tip. got me curious i it it will be chef's kiss yeah It'll be good tell us about this man what inspired you to do this well um you know part of the whole revolution or uh, uh how it evolved sorry um uh around the end of my contract with sportsnet I had signed an eight-year deal and it was just coming up towards the end. And, you know, I said to my wife uh, over dinner with friends that here I am, you know, played the game as minor hockey in Toronto at the age of seven, was fortunate enough to play junior hockey pro. And here I am, you know, in my fifties and I've really done nothing else except play the game. So I said, I, I need new project. I need something. And you know, the, the thought that, you know, you, you hear of other celebrities out there getting uh, involved and Ryan Reynolds, our great Canadian there with uh, his aviation gin and all of that. And I said, uh, you know, maybe maybe there's something out there for us. Our conversation started with, you know, these these RTDs, right? Ready to drink in a can. That's RTD. And what we liked about them and what we didn't like. And I'm like... You know, there's a few out there that I, I could drink one. And then if I have two or three, I got this sugar rush and I end up with a uh, a woodpecker on my head, you know, for the next 24 hours. So we just started talking about what would we what would we want in one of these drinks? And then we started with a checklist. Uh, we said it's got to be organic. Uh, got to be less than 100 calories and. Ours comes in at 87 or 86, but we have 90 on the can. Of course, no sugar, uh, but it had to gluten-free, keto-friendly. I didn't even know what the hell keto was, you know? <laughs> I'm like, keto? My kids are asking me, Dad, you don't know keto? And I said, yeah, that's the, the house guest that O.J. Simpson had. And they're like, <laughs> no, that's Kato, Dad. <laughs> so um, 
we're like, okay, so let's let's check off all the boxes and and see if we can come up with something. And you know, my wife and our our uh, good family friends, we we went, you know, formed a company. They, my wife and uh, our business partners, Kim and she, they they do the day to day operations on it, and they've done a fantastic job. And we went from a pie in the sky idea over a uh, a a patio dinner to selling almost 25,000 cases in the LCBO and apparently none of them in Wyndham. So who do I, who do I talk to over there to get uh, LCBO on board with little Steve? Buddha? Yeah, <laughs> that's above my pay grade, but we can find out for it. <laughs> Send it to Ryan. He'll sell it on so the side. We do have, uh, we do have uh, success has been really good. Knock on wood. Uh, we got asked to deliver another flavor and we've got peach tea coming out in about a month. I can't wait to try that one. Peach tea is always a staple on the patio. Uh, over ice Buddha. cream though. Could it go over ice cream? Yeah. Peach tea. I don't know about ice cream with that one, but grilled pineapple. We'll find another dessert to, to, to pour it. Exactly. on. Then. Yeah. We'll yeah. figure out like some sort of Christmas pudding yeah. or something. I don't know. Yeah. But we'll it's been it fun. Out. It's been a great learning experience. Uh, it's uh, just the whole the the whole uh, beverage world has kind of been turned upside down with some of these drinks. It used to just be beer and wine, and now we're we're we know it's so much more. And kids reading labels, uh, older people reading labels. It's it's a good thing, man, to to know what you're putting in your body. I completely agree, and I've enjoyed putting a number of your beverages into my body, <laughs> my ice cream, all sorts of stuff. Little Buddha Cocktail Company, uh, you can find them at pretty much every LCBO. Uh, we'll talk to the folks in Wingham about uh, yeah. reparations there. Uh, and, of course, Nick, we really appreciate you doing this. Uh, it's been a blast having you on the show. Catch him on Real Kipper at noon on Line Movement with his buddy Doug McLean. Follow Kipper at Real Kipper on twitter uh of course he's got a great book out as well if you haven't read it it's called undrafted uh is there a fake kipper? read is there a <laughs> there, fake one yeah it has to be yeah well, there was uh, okay. there okay. were two and three and there were there were, there were about 10 years ago 12 years ago they were causing me all types of havoc uh, uh, and, okay. and and when when the fake real kipper reported news in a trade then Sportsnet would pick it up oh, and put it right, on a wire that. Oh, and, no. And then they call me up and say, can you call about the trade that you just mentioned on your Twitter? And I'm like, yes. I didn't mention anything. Oh, God. Yeah. What so do you remember that? Yeah. That, that's how Real Kipper was born. Gotcha. Yeah. Dangers of the internet world. Kipper, we really appreciate you doing this, man. Keep up the great work on the show. We love it. And I'm excited to try PHT, buddy. Thank you for doing this. Hey, guys, I really appreciate the time. Any uh, love to come back again. You will definitely be back, my friend. A friend of the show, mark it down. Nick Kiprios, we really appreciate you doing this. We'll take one last quick break here on the show. When we come back, as always, we will wrap up with our wagering expert, Chris Abbott, coming up next here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to wrap things up here this week on MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury still alongside Clarky. Steve had to take off and we will replace him with our wagering. Where'd he expert. go? I, Why does he got to do Friday night? 
it doesn't matter because we're joined by our wagering expert, Chris Abbott, who is the man we always want to talk to at the end of the show. Chris, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, boys. Yeah, I think Steve just, uh, he doesn't usually say much when I'm on. So maybe he uh, he doesn't care. He, though, just, yeah. he just, he was like, I'm, I'm going to duck out early. It's not like he's I think going that he... country line dancing or anything these days. Hey, what happened think... with the uh, the golf line for the weekend after the unfortunate accident to Tiger Woods? Wow. I mean, not not much, you know. I mean, it's Tiger's not uh, he's not moving the needle a lot in the betting world these days. But I, I do think that it's going to, you know, it'll take some eyes off of the bigger events as we go forward. You know, the hardcore people are still really interested, but you know, those those people who tune into the Masters solely to see if Tiger can do it again, and of course that he's so, um, you know, done so well on in the past. And I mean, just won there two years ago. But I mean, it's absolutely tragic. I just I just hope uh, everything's okay for him. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, we send our best. I don't think Tiger it's tragic, Ryan, Ryan. Well, we don't. We we had this conversation of the day. Tragic it, is it, it's a very tough unfortunate. Word. It's it, tough, but yeah, I don't yeah. think it's tragic. I I don't. But Tiger's anyway. going to be fine. Yeah. You know, like yeah. the the thing we all hope for, of course, is that he's going to be able to you know walk around and hang it with his kids for the rest of his life. Is obviously the main the main point. But yeah, obviously we send our best to Tiger. He's done so much for the sporting world, the betting world, of course, and and golf. I mean, has there ever been an athlete that meant more to a single sport? I don't think so. Um, Chris, I want to talk to you a bit about the NFL here. I mean, you know, oh, the okay. Super Bowl as well behind us. Lots of rumors floating around out there. You know, we've seen Carson Wentz get moved. Now there's rumors floating around about Russell Wilson. Apparently, he doesn't want to get traded. What would you set as an over-under on that guy not being a Seattle Seahawk next year? Oh, God, just a line. I, I think Russell Wilson's back with the Seattle Seahawks. I'd say, like, uh, will he return to the Seattle Seahawks? Yes, minus 400 no mm -hmm. no would be like plus 600 in that case yeah I, I don't i don't see him going anywhere i saw a really interesting tweet actually uh this week that said you know you fire pete carroll before you move russell wilson and mm -hmm. and i think that's you know he's uh in the mvp conversation just about every year he makes an awful lot out of not a lot uh, he, you know, he's not the problem there. He is the Seattle Seahawks. So, you know, the, he, the, the term franchise player gets thrown around, but like he is the identity of that team. Um, and you know, he's with DK Metcalf now, I suppose, but, uh, it's still sure. Russell Wilson. Was there any, was there, uh, do you have another question about the NFL, Ryan? Sorry to interrupt. No, no, I was no, just going to no, ask, go I was just going to ask Chris if there was any action or is there any action on like coaches being fired? Like, can you bet on that kind of thing? We saw the Habs fire, uh, Julian this week. Yeah, for sure. No, we, we uh, put odds up on that stuff from time to time. It's, uh, you know, it's one of these markets where you put the prop up there. You won't take uh, a lot. You'll have small limits on it, obviously, because it's not really a, a true game that's being played with an unknown outcome. It's just, uh, right. just kind and of someone who can control it, right? Someone that's can control right. the outcome. Yeah. 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 It's just kind of one of those entertainment things. And uh, yeah, you do see that those, those things pop up from time to time. To be completely honest, it's not something that, uh, cool that really spends a lot of time on, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it, it will happen. Chris, final one for me. I want to ask you a little bit about uh, money coming in on Stanley Cup favorites now that we're well into the season here and the Leafs are chugging along in the north. I mean, you see teams like Chicago doing some unsuspected things in terms of divisional play, but what sort of money is getting dropped? Is Tampa still the hardcore favorite amongst betters? 
Tampa, Colorado, yeah, those are the two teams. Uh, Vegas is getting maybe a little bit more love than they deserve, if, if we're being honest. Like, I don't know that that team is uh, is there at the end of the day. But, um, you know, I wouldn't. I would have said that about them in their first year for sure, too. So who knows? Uh, but, yeah, it's it's still mostly the front-running favorites. You, you get the money coming in on Toronto. I think they were oh, about 7 or 8 to 1 last time we looked. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the the curious part about the Stanley Cup odds this year is it's it's harder for the odds makers to to con, to um, to tabulate because you know that there's a team from Canada in the final four. And I mean, once you get that far, anything can happen. So it's um, it's a little bit of a tougher game to try and figure out this year. It's a full house, eh? Uh, um, yes, sir. Do you get it? Do you get it? Um, Do you yeah, get it? Yeah. Whatever happened to predictability, wasn't it? The milkman, the paper boy, evening TV. Yeah, you're looking like Danny Tanner there with a full head of hair. <laughs> oh, I got full head of hair. Nice. I want to see you going in the red Corvette <laughs> or whatever. Uh, that was a great show, man. I used to watch that like, like every Friday yeah. night growing up. Yeah, that's good. The Golden Gate Bridge. We appreciate everybody listening to and watching this show. If they're still listening. <laughs> if they're still listening or if you tuned into Full House, um, you can listen to the show Friday nights at 6, just after 6 on CKNX AM 920 and CKNX.ca, unless the Leafs play at 7 on a Friday, which does happen uh, a few times this season. Then we will start at 5.30, lead into Leafs pregame at 6.30. Remember, whenever we air a Leafs game on CKNX, which we will... All year for every game, we carry the pregame show as well. You can find us on YouTube Friday nights, debuting at nine. You can find us on all the best podcast apps. We're on social media at MWO underscore sports. And of course, you can watch us Friday nights at eight, Sunday nights at nine with our friends on Whiteman TV. For myself, Ryan Drury, Clarky, Steve Sabrin, our great guest this week, Doug Flowers of the 2022 men's tankard in Port Elgin. And of course, Nick Kiprios, longtime hockey analyst and Hey, he was a Stanley Cup champion as well. And our wagering expert, Chris Abbott. We appreciate you listening to and watching MWO Sports brought to you as always by coolbet.co. <laughs>